Welcome to the Gottesdienst crowd, where we foster confessional integrity, liturgical preservation, and preaching that doesn't stink. We believe that the historic liturgy of the divine service is more than mere cobwebs of antiquity, but it is a true treasure of the church to be dusted off and brought down from her attic to be enjoyed. So let's get dusting. Welcome back to the Gottesdienst crowd. This is Jason Broughton. Today we have with us a new guest, Seth Miro. He is the pastor of St. Peter's Lutheran Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to the Gottesdienst crowd, Seth. Hey, Jason. Thank you. So despite the circumstances uh, about the topic we're about to discuss, um, it's good to chat with you. I haven't had much of a conversation with you since seminary, but glad that you're here. Me too. Yeah, it's been a few years out. Uh, we're getting to be the old guys, right? <laughs> that, that's right. We were talking before we started recording about how we still view ourselves as the newbies, but uh, we're definitely not anymore. So what I wanted to chat with you today is about something that I've talked with Pastor Ramirez about on a number of occasions, which is the release of Luther's large catechism with annotations and app. Uh, contemporary essays or contemporary applications. And we know that from the past podcasts we've done, there were a whole host of issues that came up with regard to primarily the contemporary applications, the essays that are included and appended onto Luther's large catechism. Some of them having, um, how would you say, more social justice themes uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, woke ideology, the spirit of the age is the word that we used constantly. But then we also discussed a little bit of some of the authors that were included. And there were a number of overtures sent to the synod to be brought up before the synod and convention. Some were recommending the use of this new large catechism, and some were asking for it to be rescinded. And uh, the production to cease. But after floor committee weekend, when the first today's business came out, it looks like all of the anti-Luther's large catechism with annotations, contemporary applications, all of those anti-Lakaka overtures were deep-sixed. And instead, one is put forward commending and recommending it. And you were the author of one of those anti-overtures. Um, so I thought it'd be good to chat about what you saw in this particular edition of Luther's Large Catechism and, and what you primarily took issue with. So how did this come about? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, first, firstly, I want to be clear that uh, I'm not anti-Luther's Large Catechism. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I am entirely in favor of subscribe without reservation to, right? That is unconditionally mm -hmm. uh, to Luther's large catechism, as well as the rest of the documents that are in the 1580 Book of Concord. Uh, and, and that actually is one of the reasons why we, we as a circuit, I say, uh, address this issue um, from that perspective. I mean, it first came to my attention, the release of... Uh, you're, you're calling it Alcaca. I don't, it's the acronym. I suppose it fits. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that was released in January of 2023. Um, 
and I was not following the CPH releases and and when this book was expected. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd heard inklings about it uh, being produced, um, but I actually had lay people uh, in Bible class ask uh, my thoughts on the matter. Less less so with the the content of the essays themselves, mm-hmm. uh, but more concerning my thoughts on on the authors themselves, on some of the public professions of some of the individual authors published in this text. Yeah, um, I have quite a few, uh, you know, a significant number of of members of my congregation who were former Elka, mm-hmm. um, and they just at various stages saw the writing on the wall. Um, and in my, this tells us how old we are, Jason, in my, my 15 years here now at St. Peter's, um, brought a nu- numerous families in through instruction, through catechesis. Uh, and they've just delved deeply into the small and large catechisms of Luther and adore the, the proper doctrine, right? That is being extolled from our theologians on these documents that they, in hindsight, realized we're sort of taken from them in their their former former ELCA camps. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought it to my attention. They they know the names of some of these individuals uh, from Elka that were invited to write and published in this text. Yeah, um, and so they were concerned about those men and women's public confession uh, as being in, in the ELCA and other church bodies with whom we're not in fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so b- being unfamiliar with the text, you know, early January, um, I, I, I bought a copy, uh, you know, Amazon delivers that stuff overnight. Um, <laughs> I, I looked, I, I started reading it, um, you know, addressing some of these things and, and you and Ramirez talked a couple times and I think you had, uh, Pastor Bean on as well, talking about some of the, the content of the essays. And I know that that's been questioned and it's been brought through doctrinal review meticulously and painstakingly. And um, I've, I've heard that there was uh, some concerns brought forward and that a doctrinal review committee was reconvened to address some of those mm-hmm. uh, accusations and so forth. Um, but our overture and its, its uh, perspective came from a different angle. Uh, that the exception is not with the content of the essays themselves, but with the public confession of the authors of some of these essays. Yeah. Um, so this overture so is just look, we're, 5-32 in the convention workbook. Right. Yeah. Right. 5-32 to cease and desist publication of, as you, as you say in El Caca. Uh, it passed unanimously within our circuit, mm-hmm. uh, our circuit forum met about this overture as well as some other issues. Uh, in preparation for this circuit forum, we we read and discussed together in Winkle um, Walther's 1858 essay delivered at the Western District Convention of the Missouri Synod titled, Why Should Our Pastors, Teachers, and Professors Subscribe Unconditionally to the Symbolical Writings of Our Church? Mm-hmm. And as I said, that was an essay delivered in 1858 by Walther. Um, that's available online. Uh, and that, that essay is referenced a few times in this overture because the question that started coming to the fore for us and really the impetus for the writing of this overture was, is it wise, is it appropriate 
to put forward public theologians, right? Professional theologians of heterodox church bodies as public teachers in our Orthodox church body. Right. You know, and it, it, it seemed to me in, 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 in trying to discuss and, and uh, delve into this, the answer became ever more obvious, no. Um, and then the next step was, well, how do we address what is already being published and disseminated? And again, it seemed to me that the, the best place was Synod in Convention requested this volume in 2013 mm -hmm. and 2016, that Synod in Convention then would have the sole authority to reject or accept the volume that has been published. Yeah. So if Synod in Convention requested it, then Synod in Convention can rescind it. Yeah, arguably. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that would be the, the most logical way to go about it. Yeah. So your primary concern throughout this is setting aside all the possible other problems that there might be, which people could argue uh, until our Lord returns. One thing is inarguable. That is, we require all of our teachers who are teaching doctrine to our churches, to our members, we require them to subscribe unconditionally to all of the Book of Concord everything, right. all of its contents. And uh, whereas the ELCA does not require this, um, not unconditionally, not um, not because it accords with the Word of God, but only insofar as it accords with the Word of God, that at the very outset, this is not wise, and it is not being faithful to our own confession to allow those teachers who deny that the Book of Concord or our confessions are to be subscribed to because they accord with God's word, um, that they should not be teaching the faithful within the Missouri Synod. Well said. I mean, that, that is uh, the position that we took in writing this overture, mm -hmm. um, discussing it, and then unanimously adopting it in our circuit forum, is that we, we ought not, it is not wise to put forward public theologians as teachers in our church body who pub themselves publicly hold to spurious confessional subscription, mm -hmm. right? It, yeah. it, it seems to me, uh, I recall that Synod and Convention quite a few years ago, maybe before I was, I was even in office ordained, uh, that we acknowledged, publicly acknowledged that the ELCA is heterodox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think yet that was with in 2009. Yeah. So, okay. Just a couple of years after I was out and this, this volume um, publishes, you know, individuals who have uh, confessional subscription within the ELCA, they're, they're members in good standing of the ELCA rostered workers. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, I think that the, um, the letter written by the CTCR, which is also published in the convention workbook uh, for those who, who might, be interested or are following this, uh, page 232 in the convention workbook has a letter from the CTCR uh, addressing concerns, you know, addressing the release of this volume. And one of the things they do in there is they commend and give and thank all the members, members of the LCMS, right, that contributed to this volume. The, the resolution, likewise, uh, that the floor committee is putting forward uh, thanks 
the clergy and laity of the LCMS who contributed to this work. Mm -hmm. I I think that that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, intentionally so, because they recognize there are a significant number of authors of essays in this text that are not in public confessional agreement with the LCMS. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we give thanks to those of the LCMS who helped us. We'll just ignore those who have a public confession that is contrary to ours, mm-hmm. but are still published in this book. Yeah. And again, so, I don't think that helps us publicly to discuss this issue at synod and convention. Yeah. So I think it might be good for us for, uh, I'll just go ahead and read your resolution. It's not too terribly long. So I'll just read the whole resolution so we can get all the where, whereas's um, and and get a feel for the argument that you're making and and then take a look at what the floor committee actually puts forward and whether or not they actually take into account any of these um the arguments that are being put forward contrary to the the position. So, so it's Overture 5-32, to cease and desist publication of Luther's large catechism with annotations and contemporary applications. Whereas our Lord Jesus says, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Matthew 16, 6. And St. Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, Galatians 5, 9. And whereas St. Paul warns us, Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, Romans 16, 17. And encourages men in the office of the ministry to, quote, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it, Titus 1, 9. And whereas it is fully in accordance with our Lutheran symbols to demand an unconditional subscription by the teachers of our church of those symbols, because the symbols themselves declare, quote, we have mentioned only those things we thought it was necessary to talk about so that it would be understood that in doctrine and ceremonies, we have received nothing contrary to scripture or the universe, the church universal. It is clear that we have been very careful to make sure no new ungodly doctrine creeps into our churches Augsburg Confession Conclusion, paragraph 5, and whereas C.F.W. Walther, the founder of our synod, taught, quote, it is furthermore fully in accord with the practice of our church to demand an unequivocal subscription from its public teachers. Walther, why should our pastors, teachers, and professors subscribe unconditionally to the symbolical writings of our church? An essay delivered at the Western District Convention in 1858 And whereas the teachers of the church have great impact on the harmony among our congregations and on the eternal welfare of their hearers, as our symbols also attest, quote, schisms in matters of faith have also happened in our time, and such matters also concern the laity and the salvation of their souls. Formula of Concord, solid declaration in the summary content rule and norm, paragraphs four to five. And whereas the recent publication of Luther's large catechism with annotations and contemporary applications itself states that it, quote, seeks to teach the baptized by being a resource for the whole church, serving as a catechetical compendium for adults that seeks to be both comprehensive and apologetic, 
And whereas Luther's large catechism with annotations and contemporary applications contains essays written by those who would teach the church, yet have not unconditionally subscribed to the Lutheran symbols, and whereas some of those teachers have made public con- confessions that blatantly contradict our confession, and who, by remaining in fellowship with their heterodox churches, maintain only a conditional subscription to our Lutheran symbols, therefore be it resolved that the Synod and Convention call upon the Church to immediately cease and desist publication, sales, and distribution of Luther's large catechism with annotations and contemporary applications, Circuit 14, Indianapolis South, Indiana District. So I think you've laid it out very clearly, like this this is a problem. This is this is like wanting your cake, wanting to have your cake and eat it too, right? <laughs> uh, we can't we can't maintain our orthodoxy by allowing heterodox teachers to teach the church, right? Um, and that the the heterodoxy of these teachers, right, is determined not by uh, a couple of page essay that they wrote for this publication. But rather, where is their public confession publicly lie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So they may, they may write something that is in accordance with our, mm-hmm. our understanding of Scripture and the confessions. Yeah. But that doesn't negate their public confession is with a heterodox church body. Yeah. So in essence, you know, there are a lot of people getting in, uh, into trouble, laymen getting into trouble right now because of you know, um, Facebook posts or tweets that they've liked or shared. Um, and, 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 and some of them are being excommunicated or being put under a ban for platforming people that the synod may disagree with. But here we have the actual synod platforming heterodox teachers, and we're just supposed to look the other way. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and of <laughs> course, there's the, cons- the concern of how do you how, how do you carefully and and with proper discernment address issues with this text right right when our synod has canceled or decried these individuals right that you have mm-hmm. mentioned yeah um, never mind that there are individuals who have essays in this volume who are in public confession with mm-hmm. a church body that engages in an open homosexuality uh, advocation of the abortion of children, uh, the worship of the goddess, and so forth. Right, the altars at which these men and women commune gives them, you know, makes their voice public. It is a statement that they are saying, "I agree with what this church body does." Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's really what we wanted to to bring out here. Is is nothing? I mean, we are not yes the judge and arbiters of these essayists. Mm-hmm. Uh, individual yeah. souls, or where their conscience lies in regard to their yeah. their subscription to our Lutheran confessions, but we are called, right, as as under shepherds, uh, as as you quoted it from the resolution, right, mm-hmm. in, in Titus, right, give instruction and in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. Um, this is for the sake of the laity to protect the sheep from wolves, and so we are called to judge their public confession. And that's all that we're seeking to do here. Um, and I just, all I want, what we as a circuit wanted was synod in convention requested this text. It seems to me that synod in convention should have mm-hmm. the authority yeah. to accept or reject it. 
Yeah. And that is not going outside of the Christian collegiality in dialogue and debate. It's not going outside of the established procedure for voicing challenges. Um, if the Senate convention requested it, Senate convention can rescind it. So this is part of our procedure. And it, and and yet it's not it, it's being deep sixed by the by the uh by the floor committee and instead uh i don't know it's almost like the resolution 514 is just like finger wagging scolding us for not following procedure when this is precisely the procedure that we're given there are other procedures as well right but certainly um as we have already stated if Synod requested it in convention, it can also rescind it in convention. That seems most plausible to me, you know, most appropriate. It, it seems to me that Synod in convention is a place where the business of the church is conducted. And our purpose in writing this overture, right, yeah. to cease and desist, is to, to bring to the floor uh, a question of appropriateness. Like, yeah. it's one thing to say we, we accept... Right? We, we commend and endorse and accept this volume and encourage its usage amongst our church workers. Well, we, it seems we ought to have an opportunity likewise to, to not do that, to simply not vote no against that overture or resolution, but to actually vote positively to say, this is not what we, Synod and Convention, requested in 2013 and 2016. And so, you know, this has been delivered to us uh, this is not what we ordered. Take it back to the kitchen, right? Serve me something different. Um, I, I, rec I recall that we we did something like this uh, back in 2016. Um, we were trying to publish a new mm -hmm. catechism, yeah. right, for the 500th anniversary. And and what did we do there? We had a like a soft opening, so to speak. Like we we field tested. Right, I still have on my shelf a, a paperback copy mm -hmm. of a field test of that catechism. And it, it has right on the cover a website to which you can go to to mm -hmm. do a, a survey quiz on it, right? To offer feedback, to offer critique. Um, and then they, they took those into consideration in committee and, and, and uh, came back with the 2017 small yeah. catechism with the synodical explanation. Now, is that perfect? I, d I don't know, right? But it's similar to this text in that the text of the catechism remained unchanged, just like this one, the text of the large catechism remained unchanged. Mm -hmm. But what they did there is gave it to the church at large to say, does this fit what we requested, right? Is this valuable and beneficial for use in the church? And you can quibble about whether it is or not, but we did that in 2016 for publication in 2017, Imagine if something like that had been done with this text, right? Just publish, you know, put out there on the CPH page, like, he, here are the authors and the essays they contribute, right, to this volume. And if we had had some opportunity to respond, maybe we could have handled this before it was even published, you know? And so we have a history of being able to do that. Um, all I'm asking is, sadly, this has kind of left the kitchen already, we, we, the only option we have is mm -hmm. take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, th that brings up, you know, what is the way forward, I think, doesn't it? Just in terms of th every overture that 
called for rescinding or reviewing again or stopping the publication, those were all laid aside for one that commends it and reminds and chides the synod for following procedure. Uh, So the way forward is, uh, it seems like the the only way forward is to have someone um, from the floor either to bring one of these resolution overtures uh, as a substitute resolution uh, or to to make a substitute resolution uh, right then and there and put that on the floor uh, because because as it stands I mean this 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 kind of smells to me like uh, well you know even though the CTCR in its letter that is going to be appended to every single one says that there are problems with this you know there there's lack of clarity in some essays and and things like that they're still going forward with it. Why Why would we publish something that has lack of clarity that even those who um, have reviewed it and reviewed it a number of times still find a lack of clarity? Uh, this would indicate to me that well, maybe we shouldn't move forward with this. Yeah, that that is well said. And I, I think we're at that point. I don't know all the finer... Um, you know, ins and outs, the finer details of political procedure and, and you know, uh, proceedings at convention of how exactly to do this. I'm still learning. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not a handbook guy, but I I, I, refer, I looked this morning even uh, in preparation that there is an opportunity even up to a week before the convention yeah. to write to the, pre- the, the chair of the floor committee uh, concerning one or more of the overtures you know, asking for a rationale, asking that uh, an overture be reconsidered for these purposes. Um, and so I still may do that. Uh, the fact that it was published in the workbook uh, allows for it to be brought. If if Resolution 514, which is the floor mm-hmm. committee's resolution on to address okay. the release and use of this book, if that comes to the floor, then yes, Overture 532 can be brought from the floor as a substitute. It has to be voted upon, of course, to be offered in substitution before it can even be voted upon. Um, but the fact that it's published in the workbook, I think, lends a little bit of credence and a little bit more gravitas to the situation that you can exhort the el- the delegates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can refer to this as opposed to trying to make enough copies day of or something of that nature, um, which they rarely which they rarely allow. Right. Um, and so there are avenues, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if there were other overtures yeah. that address this. They're not in the workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, the workbook itself has, has two overtures to commend and encourage the use of this text. Uh, one that, that seeks to exhort uh, the church to act in a proper, loving and Christian manner in dealing with disagreements. And then this overture, 5-32, to cease and desist, right? So so it, it seems like what you've said, there's a just sweeping away of 5-32 uh, and just doubling down yeah. on commend and encourage. Um, yeah. And, you know, if we are going to maintain as a synod our, our, our standard of orthodoxy, we really do need to take this seriously. 
we cannot let this camel nose under the tent to get the whole camel in, where we begin to platform individuals whom we know belong to heterodox bodies, whom we know aren't being um, uh, provocateurs just on the internet, but actually have made uh, substantial contributions to their own church bodies and to making that heterodox confession, we we know with certainty what that is. And uh, we are not serving the church, it seems, uh, or upholding our own orthodox position by, by commending those authors in this volume and perhaps beyond. Yeah, it, it goes... It goes beyond commendation. Um, the resolution that the floor committee is putting forward, uh, five fourteen, which we don't have to read all of that, but it's it's in the today's business. Um, not only commends, right, but encourages pastors, commissioned ministers, teachers, students, congregations, schools, and laity of the synod mm-hmm. to use this resource for study and discussion. Right, so it commends and encourages the the whole church. Right, because this book, as its own forward and and introductory texts say, is for use as a compendium of catechesis and apologetics. It is to teach the baptized. They're now this resolution, I think, has gone one step further and encouraged its usage amongst the whole church, where now we're encouraging our mm-hmm. Orthodox Church to listen to the teaching of members who hold fellowship in heterodox sects, right? And to, to refer once again to the, to the Walther essay of 1858, Walther says that if a man cannot subscribe unconditionally to the Lutheran confessions, he is not fit for the ministry and we shouldn't even mm-hmm. listen to him teach, you know? But we're putting these men forward. We're putting these men forward as teachers in our church body for our laity. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the question I think, you know, can it be done? Can we have a, yeah. a public discussion and encouraging. with members of heterodox church yeah. bodies? Sure. Right. Ought we to do it for the sake of Christian love in regards to our, our lambs and sheep of Christ in our own care? I, mean, I I take a little bit of exception to the fact, Jason, that the the resolution the floor committee puts forward cites John thirteen and the whereas right? That we are to have theological discussion, debate, and churchmanship as enjoined by the scriptures and cites John 13. And then also in the resolved says that interactions in our beloved synod should be characterized mm-hmm. by charity, clarity, and a serious attempt at understanding, right? Such as Ephesians 4. I take, I take a bit of exception to that because there, there's an insinuation there that, that a motive of, of public dialogue here on this issue, that our motive is simply, you know, coming from malice or or disdain or as some kind of attack on individuals. I, we're not attacking individuals. As you note, the overture doesn't even mention names, right? It just simply mentions public yeah. confessions. And so rather than those texts, I, I would, I would, well, it's fortuitous, I suppose, today, today is the uh, Festival mm-hmm. of St. Peter and St. Paul. Uh, two men who clearly right. had open public disagreement in front of the church, right, down at Antioch, um, and yet reconciled over a confession of unity, 
right? A united confession of doctrine. And so yes. I, I would take exception to those two texts being misused there and rather say in light of something like 1 Corinthians you know, 10, um, you know, all things are lawful, but mm-hmm. not all things are helpful, right? All things are allowable, profitable, yeah, not all or things edifying. Are profitable yeah. or profitable. Yeah, they're edif- or, they're, this is not up. edifying, <laughs> edifying for the church. Our overture is putting forward the, the, the argument that it is not edifying, right, for Christ's church to invite pastors, professors, teachers of a heterodox church body to be public teachers in our church body. That seems pretty obvious to me, right? And so I think the Synod and Convention should just speak to that, right? Open up that discussion and speak to... We, yeah. we either accept and commend this volume or we reject it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, so how do you then respond when it's put forward? Say, say it gets poured on, put forward on the floor. You know that someone's going to say, yeah, but you know, this was totally vetted. This has been through uh, like 58 gajillion doctrinal reviews. And, uh, Look, you know, we went through the process. We followed the process. Trust the process. Mm, yeah, yeah. I always, I always like that the, the trust the process line. Um, as you noted at the outset, right? We we hold ourselves because Christ will hold us to fidelity to Scripture mm-hmm. and the confessions. And while individual essays, right, may come come through that process and say, well, they're in agreement with us. It, it matters little when the public confession of those authors is not only not in agreement, but at odds with our right. public confession, right? right? And so the, the, the process that we allow for, that we have outlined, again, I'm not a handbook guy, but we've referred, you know, it's been referred to numerous times in these overtures and resolutions, 3.9.2.2.2 in the handbook, the doctrinal review process. Now, I'm, I'm confident I've heard from sources that, that concerns have been voiced and doctrinal review has been convened and it's passed again, mm-hmm. right? So that these Harrison paused the publication of this text for a brief time and then readdressed it and then, you know, resumed publication. Mm-hmm. But again, our overture is not about the content of these essays, whether they do or do not pass doctrinal review. Yeah. I would argue, however, that if you're going to examine the doctrine of these essays, you have to examine it in light of the public confession of its yeah. authors, right? That, that we may read that. We may read that and say it's appropriate, it passes review. But we have to ask the question, what do they mean when they say X, Y, or Z coming from their public confession, right? And that's what we're asking yeah. for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And if we're gonna, yeah, and if we're gonna trust the process, as I think you've mentioned a number of times, if the synod convention requested it, the synod convention can rescind it. That's part of the process as well. So, to quoqua, right? If you you can do it too, you can trust the process, right? Just as much as we can. Well, and that's why I'd like to see um, opportunity for discussion on this yeah. issue. Um, the resolution put forward by the floor committee doesn't acknowledge the existence of Overture 5-32. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? It, it, it generally addresses, you know, people's dis- discussion publicly uh, over, over media and so forth, not following the pros- proper steps and procedures. Yeah. I, I t- I, I'm going to take exception to that because I, I think this actually, as you've noted, does follow the exact process. Yeah. It's been cited in every one of these texts, including the CTCR document, including al itself. This was requested by Synod and Convention in 2013. This was mm-hmm. requested by Synod and Convention in 2016. Now, here we are in 2023. The volume has been released. It's already been released. It's already been published. Yeah. It's now a public matter, right? And so mm-hmm. because it's a public matter, we have full right to discuss and debate it publicly. And the process is Synod and Convention, who requested this volume, should be allowed to discuss and vote whether or not to accept and commend or to reject this volume. Yeah. Well, I will uh, be keeping all of this in my prayers. I'm not a delegate. Are you a delegate? I am a delegate. Uh, So I have the trifecta here. I'm the circuit visitor for the forum that passed this overture. I'm the chief author of this overture, and I am a delegate (laughs) uh, from our circuit. So you will hopefully have an opportunity to bring this forward from the floor. I hope so, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it with you because at the floor you get two minutes, you know, at the mic to give rationale as to why it should be accepted as a substitute. Yeah, you know, I, I thank you for giving giving me, uh, you know, fifteen twenty times that amount. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd uh, suggest anyone who would like to help in this effort to reach out to Pastor Miro and. Uh, if you need more discussion or more convincing to, to do that uh, offline. Thanks for your time, Seth. Thanks. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for and that, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it too. <laughs> Take care, Seth. Thanks. You too, Jason.